0: Sports are really important vehicles for relationships. We have purpose. We have a why. We bring people together. We connect. I feel
1: like God is our greatest supporter and our greatest coach. Welcome to Rabbi on the Sidelines. This is Rabbi Eric Sherman from Sinai Temple in Los Angeles. Today we are joined not by one, not by two, but three guests on Rabbi on the Sidelines discuss a topic that is usually not discussed within the sports and the faith world. And that is Holocaust education and college basketball. This week we are joined by Coach Bob McKillop of Davidson Basketball, Steph Curry's college coach. Hopefully we'll hear some uh, Steph Curry secrets about his success. Graham Honaker, Executive Director of Principal Gifts at Butler University and one of the co-authors of this amazing book, Unbracketed. Big time college basketball done the right way and Alex Kaur, son of Holocaust survivor Eva Kaur. Just a truly miraculous, miraculous story. Alex, Graham, and Coach Bob McKillis, it's so great to have you on Rabbi on the Sidelines. Thanks for joining us.
0: Wonderful to be with you. Thank you for having us, Rabbi.
1: So uh, we're gonna have just an amazing open conversation because college basketball is often about baskets and assists and rebounds and championships and just developing players and leaders. But this book written by you, Graham, maybe we'll start with you. It's called Unbracketed Big Time College Basketball Done the Right Way. With NIL and transfer portals and early entries to the NBA draft, this is not about this at all. This is about how you can develop leaders on a court that will make a difference on the court. So Graham, why did you write this book? And what has it meant for the outside of the basketball world?
0: Yeah. Thank you again for having us, Rabbi. We, uh, my co-author and I, Jerry Logan, are just massive, massive basketball fans, as, as my good friend Alex can tell you. And we had felt, some with good reason, that that in recent decades, college basketball had gotten, you know, there'd been a bit of a black cloud on it in terms of the cheating and the notion that the, the term student-athlete, there really wasn't the student part to it. You had this whole NIL transfer, all of this. And, and we said, you know, there's still so much good that takes place within college athletics, developing young men and women, uh, nurturing them to become great leaders and great people. And we, we took a, you know, we, we took a stab at this, this book. And as I mentioned, when we were speaking earlier, it was the Davidson story of Eva Core leading uh, Coach McKillop's team over to Auschwitz that, that was the catalyst, that this is an amazing story. This is something that people need to read about whether they're a college basketball fan or not. Mm-hmm. This is an anomaly where a coach is taking his team overseas to one of the the worst sites in human history to learn. And that was the the jumping point. We knew Davidson was going to be the the initial program that we would profile, but we wanted to look for a couple of others and, and chose Villanova, Loyola, Chicago, and Gonzaga. So that was really the, the the motivation to to show there is still really there are really good things that happen within the world of college sports. And so,
1: Alex, I want to go to you for a second because I knew you before you knew me. It's because I read your mother's story, Eva, blessed memory, and a couple of years ago on Yom Kippur, on the holiest day of the year. I told your mom's story about how she, at the, towards the end of her life, I forgave forgave Dr. Dr. Mengele <laughs> and I reached out to you, I sent the sermon, and then I see that you're not only a great basketball fan, but you're gonna take a college basketball team to Auschwitz. For you, what was the connection and was it ever a dream that your mother, a Holocaust survivor, a basketball fan, would take a division one college basketball team to her roots of horror and tragedy?
2: It obviously, there were a lot of other people involved. And uh, when I heard about this in May, mid-May of 2018, I knew that my mom would embrace the idea because she really liked to uh, talk to young people. And even more important, athletes are going to be future leaders. And she thought that this would be a even better opportunity to reach more people. Um, previous to the 2018 trip, with, Al- uh, with the Davidson team at Auschwitz, she had spoken to um, Jim Cruz's uh, University of Evansville basketball team and St. Louis University basketball team, and Jim's a close friend, and so I knew that there is a synergistic relationship between my mom and athletes, and my sister mm-hmm. and I were both athletes, and so I thought, yes, let's do this. It's a it's an incredible opportunity, and obviously through this experience, I've become close friends with with Bob and his son, and. The whole Davidson family, but I think even more so, it it the the long-range ramifications, the trickle-down effect of all the players on that team, and now even the current players, I think hopefully will help generations to come to learn about the Holocaust, to learn about Holocaust education, and, and to hopefully, you know, combat anti-Semitism in our world.
1: And so, Coach McCaleb, I've traveled to Auschwitz three times leading high school students, Jewish high school students, who had a basis of Holocaust education, either through their families or through their synagogue or Jewish community. But here you are, somebody who's not Jewish, who decides, and many of these teams go everywhere, whether it's the Maui Classic, the uh, Anchorage Classic of Blessed Memory, all, all the classics out there. And you decide to take your team, not with the basketball in hand, but to walk through that valley of the shadow of death. What was the response, first of all, your response to doing a trip like this? And then you tell your players in the locker room, we're going to Auschwitz for four days. Why did you do this and what did you think it would mean for the players?
3: Uh, I'm a student of history. Uh, I majored in history. I taught history and uh, I had been to Auschwitz several years ago oh,
1: wow. on,
3: on a Davidson tour of alums. And uh, it, it opened my eyes to more than reading in a book or watching in a movie uh, to be there front and center and, and touch and feel and smell Uh, the spirit of the atrocity and the courage of the people that uh, fought against that atrocity uh, opened my eyes for the need to lead and teach our own players that experience. And uh, Amanda Caleb, who I recalled as a student athlete at Davidson a decade or so earlier, connected with me and uh, between her and Stacey Gallen uh, mm-hmm. in the Maimonides Institute, the Candles Museum, um, Misericordia University, where Stacy worked. Uh, th- there was just this tremendous uh, receptivity to uh, bring us to Auschwitz, and our players embraced it. And mm-hmm. uh, we, we were there for, I think, 72 hours maybe, yeah, from the time the trip began to the time the trip ended. No basketball involved. And, and our players, you might uh, know, were actually had gone home for the summer and were coming back maybe two or three weeks later. So they interrupted their their summer away from campus, their summer away from workouts and, and came back as a team. And the team and the staff were just that a team. And the team was led by Eva. And uh, mm. to have that extraordinary experience with her uh, was uh, life changing and a memory that our guys will forever carry with them.
1: So just tell us the timing of that, because I believe the day after Davidson loses in the NCAA tournament, I'm assuming you don't really want to talk to an NCAA division one coach, maybe for just a couple of days, let them rest, have their Sabbath if you wish. But the day after you get this email, talk about the priorities of what this this all means in terms of basketball being a game, and then this mission the day after a loss in the NCAA tournament.
3: You know, I've always believed that uh, when you help somebody, you help yourself. Mm. And we're going through this misery of losing and what greater uplifting and inspiring experience and for our guys to do something for someone else from the standpoint of being able to broadcast a message of that atrocity and how it should never happen again. So it was a, a gift from God to uh, mm. actually uh, say to our players, okay, We're in misery right now. You want to see misery. Uh, Mm. Let's do something as a team that will really expose us to this.
1: So one of those players that really took to this trip and has continued his activism after was Kellen Grady. And this is a video of him speaking during his trip. You can see the background that he's standing up against the wall against Auschwitz. And this is what he had to say. You know, what people
0: went through just based off of their religion, who they were. And, and just the, the horror they went through, um, you know. I think it just gives us a much deeper appreciation for for what we have, and it, it adds a different
1: perspective. So, Graham, you write about him in the book and what he's done after the trip. Can you just explain the meaning of or watching uh, Kellen on that trip, and then the impact that has had that leads to the activism that he's doing today?
0: Well, I, I think. The, the type of player that Coach McKillop recruited over his time already had this spirit of giving back and in, in community, I think, and this was a theme with some of the other schools, is that I'm saying this. I work at Butler. We came off a pretty brutal loss last night. Are, are these things, they really put basketball in perspective, uh, going to Auschwitz, um, seeing the broader world that goes beyond college basketball that doesn't always happen when coaches and players are locked in, you know, locked in the zone. And in my sense is that in talking with Stacy Gallen was that this just really inspired a player like Kellen to, uh, to give back and to, you know, start a mission of his own. And Alex can mm-hmm. probably speak better to this than I can and coach McKillop, but I think it's these experiences when we take our players at butler on the road um i remember we went to kansas city a couple years for a tournament we we took them to the negro league baseball Mm -hmm. hall of fame to give sport a a greater context of you know the hardships that that those players endured and, and, and it changes them and again that's why i think these coaches have such a powerful platform um as coaches but but to provide these additional experiences for their players to inspire them to go on to, gr- to do great things like Kellen Grady has done and is continuing to do. And so,
1: uh, Alex, we can't go on without hearing the voice of your mother. And this is your mom speaking to children about what it means to change the world. Change the world. Did you know that? I want to be like her. I'm not an ordinary kid. I can change the world. I can do something special.
3: Eva Moses Core life force, teacher, inspiration. A woman who stood as the perfect example of the power a single person has to make
1: the world better. I can change the world, but we know that it took her time to get to that point. There were a lot of emotional challenges after her liberation to the time when she could say, I can change the world one at a time. How did your mom do it? How did she get to that point where she could change this world?
2: Well, it didn't happen overnight, Rabbi. Um, You know, she went through a number of years where she was, as she would call it, a good victim. And she would, um, you know, do her normal routine and, at times, was somewhat bitter. you know, I can remember, just to give you an example, as a 10 or 11-year-old environment I grew up in, but my dad's also a survivor. Uh, mm-hmm. And I would say, well, mom, I, I want a newer tennis racket. And my mom would say, look, when I was 10 years old, I didn't have any tennis rackets. And it really mm-hmm. put things in perspective. But how did my mom get from that point from being bitter? You know, she um, happened to, uh, you know, meet another mangled twin. Her twin was in Israel. We found more twins. And so she decided you know, 1984 to form Candles, which is the organization of Mengele twins. And then we went back in 1985. And really the turning point for my mother was unfortunately when my mom's twin, my aunt died in 1993. And because of that, she then happened to meet uh, a Nazi doctor who was at Auschwitz mm-hmm. who actually helped save 20 some Jews. And because of that relationship, she then offered him a chance to come with us to Auschwitz because he wanted to document that there was indeed a holocaust and so my mom wanted to thank him and she went to the hallmark store there was no appropriate card she went to the liquor store she couldn't think of a good gift and then one day she decided well i'll just forgive his name is hans Munch, dr Munch. and because um she thought this was a perfect idea she thought she was giving him a gift but she then realized she was giving herself a gift by kind oh. of taking off this chip off her shoulder. And that led to her forgiveness. And I really think from that point on, she was spinning her wheels in the late eighties, early nineties, trying to find Mangala. And finally, when she decided to forgive Dr. Mooch, which then, which then led her to forgive Dr. Mangala in her name only, which I want to stress, exactly. that really allowed her to open up her world to help so many other people. And that really changed her life. And I think in many... Regards, probably gave her another 20 some years of life just because wow. she had this ability to kind of forgive her worst enemy.
1: And coach, I was just talking to Stacey Gallen last week about the after effect of this trip and what's wants to happen in the years to come with other major college basketball programs. She told the story that I believe there was an anti-Semitic incident on the Davidson campus and those players by themselves stood up and said, this is, how we're, this is what we're gonna do. And we're not gonna stand silently. Can you explain when these players come back um, how they understood to use their voice and not just the ball to make a difference in not just the Davidson community, but in the larger world?
3: The the message that our experience gave us was planted on their heart. It it wasn't something that uh, was in a book that you put Mm -hmm. back on a bookshelf and don't refer to it except on different times. It was with them every second. Uh, certainly, uh, Kellen has demonstrated that, uh, Kellen Grady, as he's gone from Davidson to being a, a graduate player at Kentucky and now in the, in, in the, uh, G league. Uh, and, and I, I know what impacted our coaches as well. And, uh, you know, our, our own son, Matt has two daughters and after taking a glimpse of the glasses and the shoes and mm-hmm. uh, the luggage, uh, he he was brought to tears. And uh, the emotions that we experienced uh, with Eva and understanding the the true reality of what went on, this isn't something that's a movie, this is real life. And and to touch and feel someone was an absolutely extraordinary life-changing experience. 18, 20, 21, 22-year-old young men are being influenced by this four-foot-six. Am I correct, Alex? Is she four-six even? Maybe she's four-two. She had some good hops, so maybe four-eight, yeah, on a good day. (laughs) Uh, For this woman that's in her 80s at that size to influence and to see them hold the umbrella as we walked at uh, the the grounds of of Auschwitz and Birkenau and, and to be sitting with her at dinner... Uh, This wasn't some experience that uh, will be forgotten.
1: And so I don't want to go into all of the details of the anti-Semitism specifically with some athletes today, but that was 2018. Now that you see athletes with a platform that sometimes use social media in a way that doesn't build up, but rather divides people. And now that we have less and less survivors, right, this next trip will not have Eva on it but it'll be a second generation. It'll be a child of survivors, not having the people tell the testimony from what they walked through. Um, What do you see as the next step? Is there another team that goes? Is it a movement that goes? How can we build on this to make sure that not only Eva's story is not forgotten, but that we can not necessarily eradicate hate, but rather build up love?
3: You know, with all the changes that are going on in college athletics today with the name, image and likeness and with the transfer portal and with the talk about athletes being uh, employees, um, the name, image and likeness opportunity is one that we need to fully capitalize upon. Uh, Mm -hmm. It it should not be something that is entitled. It should be a quid uh, pro quo kind of situation in which athletes, yes, they are getting paid for their name, image, and likeness. But in response to that, I believe they need to serve a purpose, whether it's speaking out about the Holocaust or speaking out about equality or speaking out about injustice, whatever it might be. uh, I believe that it should be something that is carried to a level that, yes, give them the money, but there must be a, a repayment in terms of a, a teaching opportunity for them to instruct the world about what's going on.
1: I love that. And Graham, this whole book here on bracket it is about faith in sports. As I said, I was moved not only by the Davidson story but by the Villanova story. That I reached out to Father Hagen, who's going to be on the show in a couple of weeks. Uh, I might have to remove this uh, Coach Beheim uh, poster behind me when uh, we bring on Jay Wright's priest. But I might be Jim Beheim's rabbi. Um, so, what is this connection between faith and sports, between these worlds of Gonzaga, Loyola with Sister Jean, who's also miraculous, and Davidson and Villanova. Is it faith that combines these four stories?
0: Well, I think, you know, th- these. One of the great things about the book was discovering these unsung heroes who played the roles of chaplains and, you know, the sister Jean, uh, sister Jean was the, uh, you know, the, the embodiment and the, and the, the the public figure at Loyola. But, you know, Father Rob Hagen is a guy that probably not a lot of people know he's uh, the chaplain and played such a role in, in the, in the journeys of these young men at Villanova. And, and you know, a couple of the stories in there of, I don't think people realize how how challenging it can be for these student athletes of traveling and getting home at 4 a.m. from a road game. And when you mm-hmm. when you suffer a loss and Father Hagen talks about those were the beautiful points. Those were the beautiful times um, of sitting with a student athlete on the bus and, right. you know, trying to trying to console them. I think also, you know, many of the schools after the George Floyd murder. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that the, their coaches and these chaplains were an outlet for them to, to talk through those things, which they're hard for us to fathom as, you know, people in our 40s, 50s, and I won't mention Alex's age, um, but, you know, that that uh, that are hard for us with these 18 to 22-year-old, especially African-American males, mm-hmm. um, that faith part. And then the final thing I would say goes back to what I said earlier is that You know, putting it per per, perspective, there was another chaplain at Gonzaga who is now passed, um, Father Tony. And Father Tony used to have a saying to the Gonzaga guys when they lost the game that there were guys, you know, there were 300 million people in China who didn't even know we played tonight. Mm -hmm. And so I think putting putting things in perspective, helping them through difficult situations and and, and being a conduit uh, between them and their their connection with their higher power.
1: And that's what we've tried to do here at Sinai Temple when we combine these ideas of sports and faith. Uh, You know, People have said, Rabbi, you're crazy. You're spending your time talking to athletes and coaches and managers and owners. And then I look at the three of you who are talking today and my senior rabbi who said, there will be a time when this voice is needed in the sports and the faith world. You just look two weeks ago with DeMar Hamlin, no prayer, no prayer, all of a sudden prayer. Coach, uh, what's your thought of uh, how, how does prayer work in the sports world? Because as Dave Sims, great commentator, once told me, nobody's praying when they no, no, but nobody. The loser's not always praying, saying "Thank God." How does prayer work, maybe in college basketball? When when Steph Curry steps on that court, was he praying? Is it skill? What is he thanking God for?
3: Uh, you know, for me, prayer is is not a, a petition as much as it's. Uh, a sign of gratitude and, uh, coincidental with forgiveness, I believe is gratitude. I think we don't have enough of that in our country, in our world today. Um, and, and when you forgive somebody, you are relieving yourself of a burden. You are forgiving, as you wrote, you are forgiving yourself as well. Um, but you are putting yourself in a position where it's a gift to yourself, but it's a gift to someone else. Gratitude is the same way think about when you say thank you to somebody, when you express gratitude, the feeling that that person has, but also the feeling that you have. And and that to me is, is, should be the foundation of your prayer. Gratitude, gratitude for the opportunity to, uh, to play a game, gratitude for the opportunity to be part of a team, gratitude for the opportunity to be healthy. And uh, we, we, again, lose sight of that in, Uh, the fast paced world that we live in. And Mm -hmm. and don't take that time. And (laughs) I I don't mean to be preaching here, but the two greatest gifts we have are time and love. And uh, God gave them to us. And he expects us to use them and use them wisely. And the more we use those gifts wisely, by giving them to others, the greater our time and love will be.
1: So Alex, this is the clip where your mom proclaimed her forgiveness. And I never thought of that idea of forgiveness and gratitude. Uh, I'm gonna quote you on my sermon this uh, this year, coach. Certainly um, can.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, I stole it from somebody. <laughs> uh, as rabbis famously say, as one person once said. <laughs> um, Alex, this is your mom having those words out of their mouth about this idea of forgiveness, but really what gratitude is all about. Eva's biggest accomplishment
3: came from within.
1: I Eva Moses Kor. Hereby give amnesty to all Nazis who In
3: 1995, on the 50th anniversary of the Auschwitz liberation, Eva Moses kor returned to the camp to announce that she had forgiven the Nazis. Enough is
0: enough.
1: I am healed inside.
3: Since then, even amid debate over her decision, a one-time prisoner and long-time outcast flowered
1: so as you said alex earlier very carefully this was her decision not a group of people's decision so many of that generation never went back to auschwitz never went back they didn't want us there we don't go back i had a different reaction when i went for the first time that i had to go back again and again because i knew i was going to be a responsible person to share that next generation story um take us back to that moment that we just watched and this idea of forgiveness and gratitude and what it means to you now as a child of two survivors propelling not just her legacy but the the legacy of humanity
2: well um yeah that was january 27th 1995 so the 50th anniversary that was dr hans munch there with my mom and those are clips from uh, ted green's movie eva a-7063 right Um, amazing documentary uh, yeah great documentary well I think, you know, one of the things as a child of two Holocaust survivors who are no longer here on this world, one of my obligations and really responsibilities is to hopefully continue some some of their work. And I, I really feel that's important. Um, we're coming up on the anniversary here on January 27th. Yeah. Um, here in Indiana, the governor has declared EVA Education Day on January 27th for the fourth uh-huh. year in a row. So these are all things that, that make me proud and a lot of times bring a tear to my eye because I know that my mom and dad would be very happy that I'm trying to do my part along with other people here in Indiana. I think it's very important that we, you know, in this day and age, as you've kind of alluded to, Rabbi, anti-Semitism is a bigger and bigger problem. And it's easy for people to say, well, that happened 70-some years ago. And, you know, where are the survivors? They're all passing away, unfortunately. And so I think it's very incumbent on me and people of my generation and even younger, the third generation can kind of take that that torch and continue to shine the light on the world because there are so many lessons that can be learned from the Holocaust. It can be on the basketball floor, it can be on the Mm -hmm. baseball field, the tennis court, but also just in everyday life. Uh, You know, coach talks about gratitude and forgiveness. These are all things that really people are not taught about. And my mom would say, you know, when little third and fourth graders learn about reading, writing, and arithmetic, they should also learn about forgiveness, that this mm-hmm. should be something that's taught to young children, um, maybe not to this magnitude of forgiving a Nazi, but to forgive Johnny who pulled Jimmy's hair or whatever. I think it's it's an important uh, lesson that we can all learn in this day and age. And along these same lines, you, you, ha- you asked a question earlier about what's the next step, and and. Stacy Gallon and some other people are involved and maybe having other college athletic teams go to Auschwitz. And I'll be more than happy to, to lead that, 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 that tour.
0: Hey, Rabbi, can I just mention one other note? Of course. And I'm sure you are aware of this, but I, I've seen studies in recent years about it's, it's frightening, actually, about how the percentage of millennials who do not know about the Holocaust, going way beyond college athletes. And one of the things I worked with Alex and Ted Green on that film, one of the best things to come beyond the film was we created an, an educational packet hmm. for schools throughout Indiana. In, in my hope, um, I'll take my book out because it would sound, you know, I'm, I'm promoting that that book, but the, but that documentary film and the other films and literature on the Holocaust it's so important right now, again, beyond college basketball and athletics to, to educate this younger generation that, that the Holocaust even happened. And, and, and that, that, that I think is so important as well. And Alex's mom, though she's passed, um, I think continued to be such a beacon of light and, a, and an example, a role model for so many young people, in addition to teaching them what happened and the atrocities of the Holocaust. Actually, next
1: Thursday night, we have a program here for Holocaust Remembrance, International Holocaust Remembrance Day. And it's a new organization called If You Heard What I Heard. And it is the grandchildren of Holocaust telling their stories of their grandparents. Um, Or obviously, Alex is telling the story of Eva. And what did it mean to grow up with the grandparent? I have friends that have four four grandparents who are survivors. What did that mean to them now as, honestly, free Americans who didn't experienced that, um, but who understood that anti-Semitism is alive and well. And it's interesting to me that, right, uh Coach McKillop, you're sitting in North Carolina and Graham and Alex, you're in Indiana, not major Jewish communities, right? LA, where I am, in New York, in Boston, and Miami, you would think maybe that's where these conversations are happening. Maybe Alex share a little about candles and what it means to have a Holocaust memorial in Terry Haute, Indiana, and who's walked through those halls and who's maybe other athletes that you want to walk through those halls going forward.
2: So, yeah, in 1984, my mom created Candles Holocaust Museum at Stanford Children of Auschwitz, Nazi Deadly Laboratory Experimental Survivors. Oh. And um, the museum was created in very humble beginnings. Uh, literally, the initial pictures were with scotch tape on the walls very neatly. Um, and uh, 19... Um, 93 or so, we had a a firebombing of the museum. Uh, It was then rebuilt. But yeah, since uh, the rebuilding, we've had a lot of important visitors there. As I mentioned, uh, Jim Cruz, close friend, Bob's friend as well, has taken several teams there. The Indiana State University team, led by Josh Schertz, was there this past summer. And so it is a a unique Holocaust museum dedicated to telling the story of the Mangla twins, but also dedicated to to talking about forgiveness. I mean, there would be many people when my mom was alive that would come to the museum. Yes, they wanted to learn about World War II and the Holocaust, but they were there to learn how to forgive. And my they would sit and, with my mom in a room and said, "Look, you know my my grandfather did something terrible, and I can't forgive him. How do I do this?" And my mom would tell people how she learned how to forgive, and it wasn't something that just happened overnight. And so I mm-hmm. I really have a great source of pride for. Troy Fears is the executive director, and he's done a tremendous job. Um, and we have a lot, of, a lot of big plans in the future. I should also mention, Rabbi, there was an exhibit in Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, the Indiana Historical Society for another year uh, that focuses on my mom. And so uh, both, both of those have the USC Shoah Foundation hologram. Mm-hmm. And so um, at times, if I want to talk to my mom, I'll yeah. do it on my computer and ask her questions. But, yeah, for me, moving forward, I never would have dreamed um, that all this would have been possible. And, uh, you know, when, sorry, when, you know, she passed away, it was uh, so suddenly that Mm -hmm. I never really had an opportunity to ask her what my role should be moving forward.
0: Right. Rabbi, one other uh... Aspect of Eva's remembrance, and this ties into Davidson as well. There are three giant murals in downtown Indianapolis that are are painted on buildings that go up stories. One is of Reggie Miller, uh, the great Pacers player. I don't know if you're a Knicks fan. He was sort of the arch. I'm in LA. I've heard that that guy in the Bruin in the Bruin history. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's Kurt Vonnegut, uh, the uh, Indiana author native, who ironically wrote a lot about. Being a soldier during World War II. And then there's Eva Corps. Wow. And it's this giant, beautiful mural that was painted on a building downtown. Alex could tell you how high it actually goes. And one of the great things is that the Davidson team played Purdue uh, this past December. Oh, gave wow. Purdue all they wanted, who was number one at the time. Right. And Coach <laughs> Matt McKillop took his team uh and and got a photo in front of that mural and, and so you know you think about our book that we did you think about the museum you think about the video but ironically as coach mckillop said she was, she was only four foot six but there's just the this mirror. massive mural downtown that remains a great legacy and, and our hope is that people who aren't familiar will pass by that and say well who who is that lady and learn about her
1: and coach you went on this trip but i keep saying it didn't end there for kristallnacht when we commemorate the moment of broken glass, you traveled to New Jersey and you went to a synagogue. You could have done anything. Why did you do that? And what did that moment mean, not just to you, but the reaction to the Jewish community that you walked into their sacred space and told your story?
3: How could you be given a gift and not use it? And we were given a gift with the opportunity to go to Auschwitz and Every time the opportunity to use the gift of sending that message of forgiveness and sending that message that this should never happen and will never happen again, I think you must seize that moment. Uh, I believe we read, our players actually read the names of Mm -hmm. uh, people killed in the Holocaust at some point in uh, that next year when we returned in the springtime. There's a commemoration of that. I'm not sure what the what what the oh, title? Yeah, right. Correct, and every one of our players, I believe, read a hundred names that wow. day. Wow! Wow! And um, uh, so, so the continuity is, is something we need. It can't be just a a moment in time that you spend a couple of hours at Auschwitz. It's got to be something you live your life. And uh, clearly, uh, you know, preach without using words, and and that's what we try mm-hmm.
1: to do. Actually, it's Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel, who worked, who walked with Dr. Martin Luther King, said that we should pray with our feet, which is another word of saying, obviously preaching without our words. Um, I, I do want to focus on just a little mundane thing because I have experts in the college basketball field. I have Butler University. I got Purdue here. It's fe- it's almost February. What's going to happen at the end of the year? Who's going to uh, who's going to the Final Four this year? And who would Eva want to win?
2: Well, uh, Eva would want a final four of uh, Davidson, <laughs> Butler, <laughs> Purdue, and Indiana State University, where she graduated from. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh, Coach, how's that looking in reality?
3: Well, I, I think Purdue is is pretty darn good. Uh, incredibly well coached and uh, potentially the National Player of the Year with Zach Eady. And uh, they have two young guards, freshman guards, that are just getting better and better and better. And uh, we have a kinship with one of them, Fletcher Loyal, whose brother, Foster lawyer plays for Davidson and uh, has just been spectacular as of late. Uh, and then they're surrounded with a, a supporting cast of players that uh, make them very formidable.
0: Uh, but Eva's, Eva's favorite color was sort of a darker blue, which is, which is Butler, <laughs> so... Uh, I, I, we may be running close to time but alex do you mind sharing again a, a story uh, related to one of your dad's college teachers that has a great tie to college basketball lore
2: and uh, yeah rabbi graham thanks so uh, my father was rescued by an american gi from tarot indiana and my dad finished high school and my dad was maybe on a good day five foot one and he heard he was going to enroll indiana state teachers college and that became Indiana State University, and he heard that the coach was also the gym teacher. So he wanted to learn how to shoot a hook shot. So that coach in 1947 was uh, Coach John Wooden, mm, and Coach nice. Wooden taught my dad the hook shot. And at the end of the semester, he said, "Mickey, you're a really good uh, example for the other students. I want you to take the class again." My dad was going to go to pharmacy school at Purdue. So my dad took the class again, and years later, I'm five, six years old watching UCLA, and my dad said, that's my gym teacher, and I didn't believe him. And so we started getting letters from Coach Wooden. I think I've sent them to you, Rabbi, and um, you know, for years, it was UCLA and Purdue. And so um, 1997, Coach Wooden came back to Terre Haute to be honored by Indiana State, and my dad sat at his table, and, and I have a wow. picture with my dad and Coach Wooden.
1: Well, Purdue UCLA would be a good one here. uh, And uh, Eva would be on both sides, which would be, which would be wonderful. Uh, And then coach just on the basketball and because I have you and uh, how do you get a guy like Steph Curry, who's underrated and make him who he was today? What's the secret sauce in
3: making Steph who he was? Well, I I think it starts with parents. And uh, Mm -hmm. that perhaps is one of the shortcomings of our world today. Uh, Parents don't embrace their children the way that Dale and Sonia Curry embrace their three children. Um, uh, Stephen Curry is uh, uh, as extraordinary a man as he is a basketball player, Uh, extraordinary as a leader as he is as a basketball Mm -hmm. player. And I kind of chuckle because several times I've mentioned to him over the past five, six years, uh, he should think about running for the presidency of the United States. And lo and behold, yesterday he visited yeah, the, the White House. House. <laughs> and there's a picture, there's a photo of him actually standing at the podium in the White House, addressed to the nines, looking very presidential. Uh, <laughs> so I, needless to say, I, I commented to him about, uh, hey, you're you're in a perfect position right now, just wait a few years longer. So <laughs> uh,
0: Rabbi, one of my favorite stories in the book is about Steph Curry's recruitment and you know if you follow college basketball you may be aware that you know he didn't have that many Mm -hmm. offers coming out of high school which is which is hard to believe coach mckillop actually knew him when he was playing little league baseball which which coach mckillop's son but you know you talk about the four programs that we profiled and, and you know the subtitle of the book is big time college basketball done the right way is and Coach can correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the things, one of the aspects of why he recruited Steph Curry was not how he was playing the game on the court. It was mm-hmm. observing him off the court and his mm-hmm. character and I think keeping his room clean and how he talked to his parents and how he talked to adults and, and that character model. You know, Steph Curry, for me, will go down as, as one of the great, great players – ever in basketball, arguably, well, not arguably in my mind, the greatest shooter ever, but that Coach McKillop really recruited him as much for his character and his values and his family values as he did as a basketball player. And
1: I think that that's what this story is all about.
0: It's about character, it's about values.
1: Obviously you gotta shoot the ball, you gotta pass the ball, but it's what you do with that ball. As I like to say within our own Sinai Temple community, what we do is beyond the ball. That ball has introduced me just personally To so many people that I would never meet in the walls of this sacred space of sanctuary, but when we do meet because of that ball, we go into each other's sacred spaces and make a big difference in this world as well. And so, I love closing. uh, Just closing remarks in terms of what this book means. Unbracketed, if you haven't gotten your copy by Graham Honaker and Jerry Logan, the stories of Davidson, Loyola, and Zaga Villanova. Also, great stuff about the Montes Sabonis, actually a good friend of Sinai Temple here, Um, and uh, faith in sports. Closing. Closing remarks about faith and sports going forward and what we can do to bring people together.
2: I'll, I'll jump I'll start first. I, I really think your podcast is uh, just the start of a great way to continue to uh, teach people about history, teach people about the Holocaust, um, and hopefully really combat hate in our in our world. and I, I commend you for your for your uh, work here Rabbi. and thank you coach and, and Graham as well.
3: Thanks to all of you for living Eva's message. We can change the world. And certainly that is the gift that is given to us.
0: And I would just say, I would close with how I opened in that while the newspapers and the media like to hone in on some of the things that we perceive as bad in college athletics, Mm -hmm. there's so much good. There's so much good that there are other programs beyond the four that we covered. And they're, they're great servant leaders like coach McKillop that, that do exist and are making such a powerful impact on college basketball players and student athletes. And, you know, again, Jerry and I choose to focus on on the positive and the glass being half full. And I think that, I hope people who read the book will will realize there's a lot of that that does take place in college athletics. And the final word, this is not necessarily a plug, but a great honor for Alex and I is we're going to do this at Davidson on February 11th, which just happens to be the day Davidson is going to recognize coach McKillop for his glorious career. So I count the the, the time coach McKillop and I spoke at the synagogue is one of the great opportunities we've had with the book, but I'm, I'm so honored to be a part of that day on February 11th, which recognizes, in my opinion, the great, great, great college, college basketball, basketball coaches and servant leaders that the games have. Well, I
1: do hope that this is just the beginning of conversation and uh, our doors at Sinai Temple are open to all of you as you continue to tell Eva's story of blessed memory. Thank you, Coach Bob McKillick from Davidson Basketball, Graham Honecker from Butler University, and Alex Kaur. Just truly three wonderful people with hearts of gold. Thanks for joining us and Rabbi on the sidelines. Have a great day.